Hello, and thanks for taking the time to tune in to our podcast. This is Pastor Carson with Calvary Tabernacle. Every week, what we're putting on the podcast is a snapshot of what's happening here, whether it's our local services or whether it's different teaching sessions. And the ultimate goal is really tied to our mission here at Calvary, and that is to reach, to connect, and to disciple. We hope that wherever you are, this podcast is a blessing for you. And if you're in the Indianapolis area, we would absolutely love for you to come by. Join us for a service, whether that be 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning, 6.30 p.m. on a Sunday night, or 7 p.m. on a Wednesday. We would love to see you here at Calvary Tabernacle. God bless you, and enjoy the podcast. Come on, call on that name right now, Jesus! Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's still power in the name of Jesus. There's still healing in the name of Jesus. There's deliverance in the name of somebody shout Jesus. Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. My, my, thank you for leading us in worship tonight. We have felt the presence of God in a mighty way. It feels like camp meeting around here. How many love what you feel in this room? Would you clap your hands again and shout to the Lord? Amen. I feel like dancing. I feel like shouting. I feel like leaping. I feel like rejoicing. I feel victory in this building. Come on, are there any other people in the building right now that sound? I feel victory. I feel walls coming down. I feel a breakthrough. I'm feeling some things I haven't felt in a while. Something great is about to happen. Glory. It makes me want to run the aisles. Come on, I feel something breaking. I feel something happening right now. It's multi-ethnicity. It's multi-generational. It's for you and your children, for everybody. Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Just take a moment. Just take a moment. Just take a moment and praise Him. Hallelujah. You've been good to me. You've been good to me. You've been good. You've been good. You've been good. You've been good. You've been so good to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The devil threw everything he had at you. He threw every trick he could in your way. He tried everything that he knew. He's pulled out his arsenal, attacked you in every angle, and you're still here. I said you're still in the building. He's done everything he knows to do. But devil, you got to understand, you can't break the church. You can't stop the church. It's built upon a rock. Come on, I said you can't break the church. It's been through the flood, but the flood couldn't drown it. It was fed to the lions, but the lions couldn't eat it. It was put in a fiery furnace, but the fire couldn't burn it. I'm talking about the church. I said, you're the church. 
Look at your neighbor and say, I am the church. Come on, tell by somebody beside you, say, we are the church. High five to it. Well, I don't know if we can high five nowadays. Elbow your neighbor. Give him a chicken wing, somebody said. And say, you can't stop the church. I know you feel what I feel. It's our day. It's our time. I said it on Friday, devil, you should have killed me when you had me, but you waited too late. I've already prayed one more time. I've already prayed. You should have took me out when you had me, but I'm going to be your worst nightmare. I'm going to make you wish you never knew my name. I'm going back and I'm going to get some more people out of there. I'm coming back and I'm coming back with vengeance. I'm coming back with authority. I'm coming back with power. Oh, God's going to Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your hands. Let the Holy Ghost strengthen you. Lift your hands and just reach up and receive of His Spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost all over the building. Right now, pray in tongues all over the building. Go ahead and pray in the Holy Ghost. You've been worshiping, now it's time to receive. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Oh, I want to see him. And look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. Devil, you should have took me out. But on the streets of glory. There to lift my voice. Um, cares all past. Home at last. Ever to rejoice. I said, Oh, I want to see him and look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace on the streets of glory. heaven-bound people in the building? I said, are there any heaven-bound people in the building? Come on, are there anybody planning on making it in the building? I know I'm going to make it. Meryl, you said we're going to make it. Come on, how many planning on making it? Come on, dance like you want to. Shout like you want to. Praise Him like you want to. We're going to make it. 
Oh, when the morning comes and all the saints got to gather at home, we will tell how we've overcome. We will understand it better by and by. Sing it again. Well, oh, by and by. And all the saints, oh, we will tell the story how we've overcome. We will understand it better by and by. Now the verse says something like this. Trials dark on every hand And you cannot understand The way that God would lead us To that blessed promised land I like this part He will guide us with his eye We will follow till we die <laughs> We will understand it comes and all the saints oh we will tell the story how we've overcome we will understand it better by and by with no music help me now and brothers and sisters and when with all the heavenly host we began to sing singing in the Holy Ghost how the heavens will ring millions there will join that song and with them we shall be help your neighbor with them we shall be praising Christ through ages long heavens jubilee clap your hands and praise him hallelujah hallelujah the book of Matthew chapter 27 verse 50 Matthew chapter 27 verse 50 what a joy it has been here 
Thank you for the nice room, the great food, the fun fellowship. Thank you for loving my family and allowing them to be here. They're headed home because they got school in the morning. Unable to be here tonight, but I'm so honored. Thank you for all of your kindness and such a welcoming church. Hospitality, just so wonderful. There was more food in my hotel than I can eat, but I'm taking all the leftovers home. I saw some cupcakes and some nice boxes. All I need is a good cup of coffee. Matthew 27, verse 50. Jesus, when he had cried, again with a loud voice. They sang about that just a minute ago. A shout that precedes walls coming down. Everybody say with a loud voice. Look at your neighbor and say, it's okay to get loud every now and then in church. Look at somebody next to you and say, you're a little bit too quiet. You need to step up. Look at your neighbor and say, lift your head up. He got loud, yielded up the ghost. Everybody say he died. And behold the veil of the temple, that which separated humanity from divinity, the wall between God and men, between a backslider and God, between a sinner and grace and mercy. The veil rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And when he died, the veil rent and the earth did quake. And the rocks, rock cliffs, rocks broke apart, they rent. When Jesus died, everybody knew something happened. They might have been a few miles away. The table started shaking. Something is going on. And the Bible says, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which used to be alive but are now dead, which, which slept. What did they do? Everybody say they arose. What would happen here tonight if there was that type of shift? That dead saints got up. Used to be Pentecostal preachers came to their senses. Some backslider out of the Sunday school department in this church that's at a bar tonight would say. What would happen tonight if we built an altar before the Lord that caused a shift? That preaches that you, preachers, churches that used to preach truth that no longer preach truth, just something got a hold of them. Because the Lord is going to give this church a divine shift. Something happens when the body of Christ dies. It always brings a shift. Everybody say a divine shift. You may be seated.
it was 1811 and 1812 that it was called the New Madrid Earthquake. It was on the New Madrid fault line. The town was a very small community, approximately 2,000 people, but something happened beneath the surface of that small community. We study in science that there's something called plate tectonics, that somewhere beneath the surface that you can't see, there is a shifting of the plates. A fault line is where two different land plates come together, but one slips and one comes over the top. Of the other, and when there is a shift, it always brings a change above the surface where everybody can see a shift. Everybody say a shift. The New Madrid earthquake was so great, it lasted, it was an epicenter of an earthquake that was so strong that it rang church bells in Boston. I'm talking about New Madrid, Missouri. Church bells in Boston begin to ring. It could be felt in Atlanta, Georgia. And it cracked sidewalks in Washington, D.C. It caused the Mississippi River to flow backwards for three days. And after it turned, returned to its normal flow, the water was flowing in areas where it had never, never flown to before. What I'm preaching to you tonight is something happens when there is a shift. Something happens when there's a shift. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Romans tells us that by one man's disobedience, sin entered into the world. Isaiah records that it's man's sins that have separated him from God. It appears from Genesis all the way to the New Testament that there was prophecy that there was one that was coming. Jeremiah records that their sins would no longer be remembered and their sins would be washed away. There is a redeemer that's on his way. He's going to be born of a virgin womb. And Isaiah went as far as to say, he said, unto us a child is born. And a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Somebody shout the Prince of Peace. When he comes, he's not going to come into the form that you think he's going to be. He's going to come as a man that would be raised in Nazareth. And they would make statements like, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? It appeared that the devil had his hand on almost always the majority of the world. But something is about to change. Something is about to shift. 
It's not just going to reach a particular nation of people. But when he gives his life, as he said to Pilate, you don't take it, I'm going to give it. When he does, it's not just going to reach the Jew, but it's going to reach the Greek. It's going to reach every nation under heaven. Paul even said in Ephesians 2, he said the wall of partition between the Jew and the Greek and the bond and the free was going to be torn down. And what that does is it gives access to every single one of us to him because when he died, something did happen. Somebody shout, something happened. I believe that when he died on the cross, another verse says that he was sorrowful and very heavy. Isaiah tells us that he bore our shame. He bore our griefs. The sin of the world was upon him. Oh yeah, they thought they were just killing the Son of God. But let me tell you what they were doing. They were setting up the greatest wedge of change in the history of humanity. Because the Bible tells us if they would have known what was going to come out of his death, they would have never touched him. Somebody shout glory. Somebody shout Jesus. Oh yeah, they took him. They took him. They took him from the garden. They spit upon his face. They plucked his beard. They judged him. They took him to the whipping post. They put 39 stripes on his back. They should have killed him when they had him at Pilate's Hall. They should have killed him when they brought him into the crowd that said crucify him. But no, they just wanted to shame him. They should have killed him. Somewhere on the way up the Golgotha's hill with a cross over his shoulder. But no, they just wanted to see how low they could take him. They put him up on the hill. They laid him on the cross. They drove nails in his hands. A nail through his feet. They put a crown upon his, upon his head. They lifted that cross and when it came and to that place where it was positioned his skin tore his body groaned there was aching all through him some people believe that they whipped him so bad that you could have seen through his ribcage and would have seen actually his organs functioning that's how bad they whipped him at the whipping post but they should have killed him but they didn't they just wanted to shame him but they left him on the cross long enough for him to pray one more time Father forgive them for they know not what they do and I come to tell you that when he died on the cross it was more than just the death of a man it was the death of a savior it was the death of a spotless man it was the death of a lamb that in one moment amen had the power to take away the sins of the entire world through every age of time would you clap your hands and shout hallelujah When he died, when he cried out, when he cried out and he gave his life, the Bible says that the veil's temple, in the, in the temple, the veil was ripped from the top to the bottom. You know what that means? It means everybody in this room now has access to the throne of God. 
It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't even matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you're first generation or you're seventh generation. It doesn't matter. You have now access to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to come in the time of need. <laughs> Hebrews tells us because he died. Everybody shout because he, he died. Look at your neighbor and say because he lives, glory. The Bible says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Everybody say, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched. In English, they teach me that a double negative always makes a positive. Let me just say it this way. He can be touched with the feelings of my infirmities. And I can come boldly to the throne of grace. Let me tell you what we're about to see. We're about to see sinners coming from every category, every every angle of this city. And when they come in, they're coming running to the altar. They're running to Calvary. You know why? There's going to be a call that's going to go out. When he died... It triggered something not just in the earth to where there was a literal a shift. I personally believe because there is such a spiritual shifting that's happened in the last days. Powerful, the power of the church to be revealed. I believe it is also why we are seeing so many earthquakes in diverse places. I do. I do believe that there are cities, there are cities and countries we've never been able to reach. But in the last days, because the church knows how to die, the church knows how to pray, that there's going to be a shifting in the spirit to what was used to be a stronghold of Satan is going to become a powerful enthroning of his presence. Everybody shout with me. The gates of hell shall not prevail. That means you can't stop the church. You see, when he died on the cross, he gave power to the believers to go everywhere the devil had authority and to walk in there and say, you no longer have any power here. I have come with backup. I have come with authority. Come on. He said in Matthew 16, he said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever you bind on earth, he said, is going to be bound in heaven. If you believe it, shout yes. He said, whatsoever you loose on earth is going to be loosed in heaven. I'm telling you, in your neighborhoods, you're going to be able to walk in there and say, God, I claim my neighborhood in the name of Jesus. We're going to have a harvest here. When you get up, Abraham, he said, Abraham, look you eastward. Look you northward. Look southward and westward. Everywhere you see, it belongs to you. He said, but don't just look at it. He said, go walk on it. Everywhere you put your foot, it's going to belong to you. Because I don't care how long the devil had a stronghold there. You just give me a believer that walks in there. It's no longer going to belong to the devil. It's going to belong to the kingdom. Amen. I 
feel something right now in the Holy Ghost. There's about to be a shift and God's going to give great dimensional authority. Somebody shout hallelujah. I'm just going to talk about it. Be seated a minute. I think sometimes we don't understand spiritual authority. Spiritual, spiritual things. See, when you are in the presence of God, you're going to feel peace. You're going to feel joy. You're going to feel happiness. You're going to feel healing, be a, a warmness. It's amazing. I love to watch new people come into the presence of God. All the, all the saints in the building, they leave, leave the room and they feel so good. They gather up the children. They go to Cracker Barrel. They get Sunday uh, buttermilk biscuits and buttermilk chicken. Glory. Amen. Little side of blackberry cobbler with a little vanilla ice cream. Where are we going to eat tonight? Amen. Brother John Carson, we're talking about Cracker Bowl. I'm getting this. Where was I? When everybody else is at the restaurant, that new guest is sitting somewhere in the back. I walk up to these new people and say, What's your name? I didn't get your name. Oh, my name is Sandy. I see you still here. We're so glad you're pastor. I don't want to leave. I don't want to. Jen, I don't want to leave, they say. I, I, I've, never, I've never felt this before. Let's not get used to that. That's all right. Clap your hands. We, can't, we shouldn't get used to that. Now, let me say this. That's the presence of God. Let's talk about the presence of a spirit. The presence of the devil. I, I do not believe there's a devil for every person. Because Job 1, he's told the devil, he said, where have you been? He said, I've been going to and fro throughout the whole earth. Person to person. Well, do you know Job? He hates you. you know? <laughs> the Lord was testifying about Job. He hates you. He, should, he loves me. Well, no wonder he loves you. Bless, it. Bless everything he touches. I don't believe there's a devil for every person. But I do believe spirits pass through. And when they come through your life, past you, maybe near you, a person don't believe a devil can touch you because you've been washed in the blood. You've been filled with the spirit. Come on, there's a wall of fire around you. He can't even get through. Do you believe that? Zachariah said that. Amen. He prepared a table in front of me. He put good and mercy behind me. Rod and staff on each side of me. He anointed my head with oil. My cup on the over. He's all over me, all around me. The devil can't get to me. Look at your neighbor and say, the devil can't touch it. He can come near you, though. When he comes near you, you're going to feel the nature of that spirit. And the nature of that spirit will be the category, the spirit, that, the nature of that devil. And every devil's going to feel hopeless. Sometimes when the spirit comes near, it feels like anxiety. You feel lost. You start searching yourself and say, what have I done? You start saying, what, what's going on in my life? What did I say? What did I do? Anybody ever relate with that? You start searching yourself as if you've done because you feel the spirit that has come near you. The devil can't touch you. He just comes near you. You know what the Lord did? He said, get thee behind me, Satan. 
if we're not careful, we'll run off and get medicated. Instead of understanding spiritual authority and spiritual battles that we go through. And you got to start praying. I'm not against doctors, but quit running to the doctor every time you got an emotional something going up and down. You need to get on your knees and pray to the Holy Ghost falls and say, devil, you can't get my mind. You can't have my emotions. You can't have my spirit. Everybody popping pills when you need to get lost in the presence of God. That's what you need. You need to get in the Holy Ghost. I wish everybody would jump up and help me preach for just a minute. Devil, you're not going to get my rest. You're not going to get my you're not going to get my peace. I'm taking back my family. I've never seen so many young people in a nervous dither. Anxiety, insomnia, can't sleep, troubled, depressed. It's real. But what would happen if we get a hold of God? And say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spend some time alone with the Lord. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is... There's a liberty... The devil cannot stay where God takes a residence. So I come to tell you, quit visiting his presence on Sunday and let your heart be the dwelling place for his spirit on Monday all the way through Sunday. Come on, clap your hands and praise him. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most. Somebody shout a dwelling place. People... People need to feel God. Somebody shout the presence of the Lord. Sometimes there are spiritual battles that we fight. Things coming against us. How many of you have ever been through a spiritual battle? Your emotions got a mess. Come on, be honest with me. Almost everybody. The battle comes to your mind. I feel that right now. I feel that. Let's stay here for just a minute. It's time to get your joy back. It's called revival. Let's revive our joy back. Let's get our praise back. Looks like you've already got your praise back tonight. But some of you are scared to death to leave here tonight and go home because you're afraid you're going to get back and live in that fear and that anxiety again. I come to tell you, I rebuke the spirit of fear. We are not given to a spirit of fear, but of love, joy, and a sound mind. I'm telling somebody, your marriage is going to make it. I'm going to tell somebody else, God is going to take care of those teenagers. You know what you and mama need to do? You need to get on your knees and pray until you feel God in the living room. You need to feel God all through your house. That's what some of you need. You need to get your house back. You've got to get your family back. Somebody shout glory. Come on, if you believe there's victory, come on, if you believe there's victory, clap your hands and shout. Do what that choir said to do. Come on, shout. Come on, body of Christ, shout. Jump to your feet and shout, Jesus. Come on, jump to your feet, everybody, and shout, Jesus. 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 Jesus.
Jesus. The devil trembles at the name of Jesus. Oh, praise him. Go ahead and praise him. Hallelujah. You can be seated. What would happen tonight if the body of Christ would die? It wasn't wasn't just on the cross. It wasn't the nails that brought the shift. It wasn't the crown of thorns. He could have called 10,000 angels. Means innumerable. He could have called an innumerable amount of angels down to set him free. But the Bible says, I'm preaching to somebody over here. I was playing Legos with my boy. Now, when you play Legos for a long time, you get real sore thumbs. Because I had to tear some pirate ship apart. Because somebody knocked it off shelf and put it back together. And I glued it back together. He was seven. It's good to see you all. Got to meet them in Zanesville last week. So glad. Would you welcome them? They're all the way here. Amen. So glad to see them. They live here. But I met them last week in church in Zanesville. Amen. So glad you're all here. My boy Sawyer, he looked at me and he said, we were playing Legos for hours. I might have scars from that on my thumbs. He said, Daddy, what was the worst part of the cross? I said, you know, I, I, he's seven. I said, I don't know. He said, do you think it was the nails? I said, it sounds awful. Maybe it wasn't the nails. He said, you think it's when they put that big spirit aside? I said, that might have been, nope, couldn't have been it. He's already dead when they did that. Paul went on a journey. You know what the worst part of the cross was? The Bible says he endured the shame. And some of you have anxiety because God forgave you, but you don't believe that. You don't believe you're forgiven. And you're afraid to fail. And that's why you're not trying. Because you know what you did and you don't have enough faith to believe his blood can cover it up and give you a second chance. But I come to preach to you, God forgave you and he made all things new. Come on. The Lord is going to do a new thing. And the word of the Lord came again the second time to Abraham. And the word of the Lord came again the second time to Solomon. And the word of the Lord came again the second time to Jonah. I come to tell you, the Lord has sent me today to come to you again to tell you, he's not done with you. He's got a plan for your life. Somebody shout amen. The cross was a place where he endured the shame. But what would happen? If we would die out to the opinion of what everybody thought about us. We quit worrying about what everybody's going to say if I go to the altar. We quit worrying about trying to please everybody. Keep up with the Joneses. What would happen if our opinion of our culture would die? What would happen if our attitudes toward one another would die? What would happen if that... That, that, that grudge we've held to someone that hurt us many years ago would just die on the altar. Wronged. Done wrong. And you stopped living ever since you stopped forgiving. 
But if you could get a hold of those carnal thoughts, those fleshly things, those things you're holding on to that you know are sinful, and bring it down to the altar and say, Lord, I am going to let this die here tonight. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to get authority over your life. You're going to get authority over your family. God's going to... Come on, I'm preaching to so many people in this room right now. God's waiting on you to find the cross and to die on that cross. And when you die, there's going to be a shift. Somebody shout a divine shift. Be seated a moment. We need something here. I know there's victory, but I also know there's more. There's going to be such a divine authority that's going to set up on individuals. Every man in the room stand up. Every man. I appreciate our sensitive ladies in the church that lead in prayer. But God's called you to lead. We need to lead in worship. We need to lead in prayer. We need to take authority. Our children need to see praying fathers. Praying husbands. Come on, I know what I feel right now. We gotta lead our families in prayer. Come on, young men. You gotta learn to get a hold of God like never before. I thank God for the ladies in the church. But look at all of these men here tonight on a Sunday night that could have stayed home doing something. Thank God for the men that are getting a hold of God. Would you clap your hands and praise Him? Look around for a minute. There's an army of men. Something happens when you pray. We talk about grandmas in church, but what about the grandfathers that are still here? Rooted, grounded, loyal, unmoving. I'm going to tell you right now, thank God for the men of the church as well. We need you. The church, come on, I think we ought to applaud the men in a day where there's a crisis among our men in our world. There's men in the church. Be seated. I'm going to tell you why I had you to stand. I was just a teenage, teenage boy, probably. I don't know. I was either turning 18 or 19. I can't remember. It was my birthday during that revival. I had fasted. I had sought the Lord to preach in Clarksburg, West Virginia. Fasted for days, prayed, hours, heard from the Lord. I got up to preach on a Sunday night. When I got up to preach, when I got up to preach, I gave it every single thing that I had. I launched that message out. That's what I like to do, that mask, glory to God. Can I get a witness from somebody? I'm not so sure that what I preached even hit the front row. I said at the altar call, let's all stand. I said, not, not you, but I told them, let's all stand. The Lord's dealing with you. I said, won't you come to the altar? If God spoke to you, raise your hand. No one. Not one person raised their hand. I mean, listen, folks. When you eight, have an 18-year-old evangelist, just fake it. Go to the altar and make him feel good. <laughs> I 
I mean, half the time I'm, I'm getting confused and watch page three and watch page 10 and how to set page seven, become page four, and I don't know where I am. And I've got this long pause and somebody from the audience says, help him, Jesus. Bless him, Lord. Nobody responded. I couldn't even give a sympathy repentance from somebody. On Monday night, I got up and preached again. I gave it everything. I feel like God has spoken to me. That went further tonight than it did in that revival. It's one of those, let's all come to the altar type thing. Then you feel like the altars were full tonight. I got down after service. Shoved that message in my pocket. Went out and sat in that minivan. Had myself a pity party. Nobody ever comes to pity parties. I'm sitting there. Love to have had somebody say, that was a good word tonight, Brother Bounce. You know what they usually say? You know, one of these days you're going to make a good preacher. That was about as good as a guy. I sat in the minivan, the guy I was staying with. I'm sitting there, down on my luck. And he says, the guy got in, and I said, I started apologizing to the youth pastor. I said, I'm sorry. He said, what are you sorry for? I said, it's not going anywhere. I fasted, I prayed, and nothing's happening. He said, buddy, if you only knew what's going on, it has nothing to do with you. But we have some men in the church. He said, we're going to pray tonight. But we're going to go to Pizza Hut first. <laughs> that sounds like Pentecostal people right there. <laughs> Hard to pray on an empty stomach. <laughs> you know, man should not live by bread alone. We need to have a little bread. We went to that church around midnight. Five of us praying. Four men and me. I prayed. We prayed. You know, I'm praying, oh God, oh God, we need revival. We need a breakthrough. We need something to take place. Oh God, nothing is happening. We need you, oh Lord, to touch every, touch the children and the young. I prayed everything I knew to pray. You know, about two hours later, I'm going, oh God, Lord, we need a revival. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Something happened that I'll never forget as long as I live. Something happened. It was like after two hours of praying, it was like something happened. It was just like this. Something shifted in the atmosphere. When it did, victory rushed into that room just like it. All five of us that were weary and well-doing begin to dance and shout and rejoice. We have felt a spiritual shift that had taken place. The atmosphere had changed. The atmosphere had moved. We knew we had touched heaven and now there's going to be a breakthrough. I feel that in this room. I really do. I feel a breakthrough. I feel something. Some of you families that are worried, I'm telling you, God's about to do a quick work. You, you write it down in your Bible. Mark it. Put the date on it. I said God's about to do a quick work in your family. Somebody ought to jump up and say amen. Man, if you believe that, you need to jump up and say amen. I say God's about to do something fast. Amen. He's going to... 
He's going to avenge you speedily. It might be 22 years of praying, but in one Sunday, they make their way to an altar. Remain standing. Went to the went to the service the next day. That was Monday, Monday night. Went to the service the next day. I couldn't find a word from the Lord. Grabbed some notes that I thought went well the last time. Went into there. He Went to the pastor's office. The pastor, we started praying, pre-service prayer. The music team, the praise team. All of a sudden, the Lord just showed up in that moment. He turned around and prophesied to me. He said, the Lord's going to do something tonight in your ministry that he's never done before. I just say, man, thank you, Jesus. I walked out. I stood. I was sitting on this side of the church in Clarksburg, West Virginia. And they got him sing one of those good old fast songs to get you moving. Within two minutes, whoosh, the presence of the Lord. In West Virginia, we'd say it's so thick you could... Cut it with a knife. He turned around to me and he said, do you feel that? I said, I sure do. He said, I want to, it was a shift. He said, I'm going to walk to the pulpit. When I do, he said, I'm going to sing a song that matches the atmosphere. And I'm going to turn it to you. When he walked, turned away from me, the Lord spoke to me. The only time I've ever heard the audible voice of God, I heard how the audible voice of God I was a teenager and the Lord said there are people in this church that have played games with me for years and I'm angry he said because I'm angry they're in a dangerous place a pastor turned around to me and I had a word from the Lord He turned around. I'm talking about we hadn't had church for five minutes. He said, Brother Bounds, I want you to come. I'm just a young man. I leaned across the pulpit and I said, Thus saith the Lord. Many of you in this church have played games with God for years and he's angry. And because he's angry, you're in a dangerous place. When I said that, there was no begging anybody to come to the altar. Samuel, there was no begging that day. They came running to the altar. The pastor said to me, Oh my God, Brother Bounds, Brother Aaron, they call me. Oh my God, Brother Aaron. He said, There are five miracles in this room. Five miracles. Five miracles in this room. I said, really? He said, see that couple right there? I said, yeah. He said, look at them. He said, they look the part. They've attended this church for 30 years. Their daughter has prayed for them for 30 years. And after 30 years, tonight is the first time they've ever come to the altar. A shift. A shift. Somebody shout a divine shift. He went around that altar and said, miracle after miracle after miracle. What I'm preaching to you, when the body of Christ dies out to what you think, to what you want, what you desire, and you just surrender everything to Him, when you totally die out to the Lord, something begins to shift. 
And when it does, miracles began to happen. Every single body, every single hand in this room, I want lifted to the Lord. Everybody. Every hand. The Lord made them. Lift them to Him. And I want you to begin to pray. Come on. Lord, in Jesus' name. Come on, begin to pray. stop praying. I want you to press through in prayer. I want you to press through God. I don't want to have a grudge. Lord, I don't want to be angry. Lord, I don't want to be dependent upon these things. God, I'm dying out tonight. and reach out. Come on, choir. Help me right now pray. Come on, all of you right now. Help me pray in this room. Everybody in the building praying, Jesus, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to be lost. I don't want God to be angry with me. dies oh God Lord forgive us forgive us of our sins and our attitudes everybody in the building begin to repent tonight oh God forgive us of our sins our attitudes forgive us of our carnality and our selfishness our lack of time in prayer for the things we don't allow in our life that we know are not right. Come on, everybody, repent tonight. 
All over the board, all over the building, lift your voices in prayer. All over the building. Lift your voices in prayer right now. I want to give you instruction. We, we can leave a revival like this. and The devil can come and steal. The Bible says the seed that was not sown, the crows come and took it away. We want them to keep praying. I want the rest of you to listen to me. I have learned as much about what keeps me from prayer as much as I've learned how to pray. It was three or four years ago the Lord dealt with me. I was praying about the direction of our church. Typically we do a Daniel's fast at the first of the year. And the Lord just spoke to me in prayer and said, tell my people to do a media fast. 30 days. Facebook, video games, social media, whatever it is. Just 30 days. First, first 30 days of the year. Put the church on a media fast. After 30 days, we had a crusade service on a Sunday night. My father was our speaker. He operates in the gift of faith. That night, there were 15 notable miracles. I'm talking about tumors disappeared. Canceled surgeries. Kidney failure. Shifted to perfect. Heart valves healed. I could go on and on. They put one scope down a lady's throat and pulled it out. Scheduled for surgery. And they asked her, they said, who did your surgery? She said, I haven't had surgery. And the physician said, yes, you have. Somebody, I can see the fresh tissue to where whatever was there has been removed. And it's a perfect fresh tissue. Miracles. Fifteen miracles in one night. It was amazing. The lady with kidney failure. The doctor run her test again. He walked back in the room. She had heart valve issues. He said, what? what? He came back after running the test. He said, I told you you had a level four, level five kidney failure. I can't remember what it was. But he came back in the room and he said, what doctor have you seen since you were here the last time? She said, I haven't been to a doctor. He said, well, something's happened because your kidneys are perfect. Miracles. Miracles. There's miracles in this room tonight. I feel it. I really feel somebody could be healed of heart disease right now. Come on. I feel healing. Come on. The Holy Ghost is here. God can give us authority over cancer. Do you believe it? Shout amen. Saw 15 notable miracles. Listen, I'm, I'm almost done. I asked the Lord in prayer afterwards. I said, God, I don't understand. We've seen so many miracles in one night. How and why did it happen? He said, because the media has hardened the heart of my people. He said, when they stepped away from media, he said, media has hardened their heart like an eggshell around an egg. But when they fasted, he said, everything I put in my church was able to come out. Faith, prayerfulness, compassion. Come on. He, that's what he told me. 30 days and miracles. 30 days and miracles. I'm talking about miracles begin to happen. 
I saw people that had last stages of a leukemia healed, completely healed, still healed today. That's been years ago. Still healed today. The power of God. The prophet, prophet guy, after that, he texted me, said, praying for you today. The Lord showed me that your church had been hardened like an eggshell around the egg from Louisiana. He said, but it's been broken and God's now able to do what he wants to do. I'll tell you what's going to happen. There's going to be a divine shift that's going to happen, but there's some things we got to lay down on an altar that God's asking us to give up. It's going to ring the bells of denominational churches, then they're going to see the truth. There's going to be a shift where the revelation of the name of Jesus is going to come. Come on, in this end time, there's going to be a revelation of the name of Jesus and the oneness of God. Do you believe that? Your pastor's getting ready to come, but I want you to lift your hands and say, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Hallelujah. Come on, it's going to affect politicians. It's going to reach into other regions. It's going to cause the flow to go to places it's never been before. Come on, I want everybody in this room to cry out just like the choir told us. I want everybody to lift your voice and cry out with a loud voice unto the Lord.